are back. Warping Wolf Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we're always pleased to bring uh, not only a contemporary understanding of the world around us, but from a biblical point of view. Always uh, that is our responsibility, that is our job. Our focus is uh, from our Cominius-sponsored radio show. Uh, we cross three bridges. And the first bridge that we cross is into college at IUPUI. And what we do there is help students to think Christianly about all things that they do. The second bridge is into communities, one of the big reasons why we have a radio show uh, uniting uh, lots of folks from around the Indianapolis area, Christians who are doing good and specifically emphasizing black and white relationships throughout Indianapolis. The third bridge is into culture. And so we're always interested in thinking Christianly about all things. I'm doing a series at my church, fall series on thoughtful Christians and culture right now. You can go to our website, CominiusInstitute.org.com, and find us there. Find all of our videos, Truth in Two videos, all the kinds of things that might be beneficial for your thinking from a Christian point of view. Today, we are really pleased to have two great interviews. And in our first hour, we are going to be interviewing Kristen Newton, and she is going to be talking with us about the things that she's doing in and around Indianapolis from a Christian point of view. Kristen, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, you obviously are the most important of the two people in your marriage here. Uh, we're grateful. <laughs> we're grateful that you have, were able to join us today. <laughs> That's uh, Sorry, Mike. I, I'm just messing with you, man. Shout out to my husband, <laughs> there, uh, Mike Newton. There you go. So uh, let's just start with a little bit of background on family. Uh, talk talk to us a little bit about uh, Mike, about your little one, about the church community that you're in, uh, all those kinds of good things. Yeah, so um, I am married to an incredible man named Mike Newton, and he is um, on staff with Young Life uh, here in Indianapolis. He's been on staff for 17 years uh, in different places around the country. Um, specifically in their multicultural uh, vein, really, really, really passionate about the inner city. He's always been about um, pouring in the young guys. So that's what he does. He's actually at Timberwolf Lake right now um, mm -hmm. teaching uh, up there for, uh, I think, about four days they're up there. And so that's, that's Mike. We've been married for about seven years, and we have a daughter. Her name is Amari, and she's amazing um, and lives up to her name which means strength and so starting said a lot in her personality in her opinions and uh -huh. her will <laughs> so, so is there anything there about strong will child ah, yeah. yeah okay a whole lot of that um so but she gets it honest um from the both of us and so she hmm. is amazing just a gorgeous little girl um and i'm just praying that the lord would just uh, capture her heart at a young age and so uh, that's, that's us, our family. We're not from here originally. We're East Coast, you know, natives. And um, mm. but yeah, we we we're here and we're we're plugged in. And we go to a church um, called Solid Word Bible Church on the side um, in Pike Township, and have been here I think for about six or seven years since we've been since we've been married. Um, right. And so that's very good. Uh, you said East Coast, just for the sake of interest here. Um, East Coast, where on the East Coast? So Virginia. Virginia, okay. Yeah, so me Tidewater, him, we know. Okay. I'm from upstate New York, so, okay. you, so yeah, 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 that yeah. kind of thing is. The East Coast people, you know, we all need to stick together. So ah, that's, yeah. that's important. Yes, especially here in the Midwest. That's exactly. Flatlands. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my word! <laughs> is that the truth? It is flat. We we could do a whole show on the flat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're really happy that you're here to, to discuss what what's really important to you these days. Uh, something that you've been uh, given to here recently, a brand new movement. Uh, something that you've been interviewed on for LinkedIn and other organizations. Uh, tell us about the community conversation emphasis uh, that you're dealing with now and the kinds of directions that you're going to take in that that particular nonprofit. Sure. Um, so I uh, have most recently transitioned from uh, being the official DJ for the Indiana Pacers and so mm-hmm. have been doing that for about five seasons. And mm-hmm. so, um, and then five seasons for the women. So 10 seasons total the last wow. uh, five years. And um, which is a big deal for me because I never even played an organized sport in my life. Mm-hmm. I was always uh, the band kid, the artistic kid. And so um, to be mm-hmm. kind of plugged into sports culture that intently uh, for the past five years was a was a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, but most recently just felt like the Lord was kind of burdening my heart um, to have this conversation about interpersonal relationships um, among millennials and uh, maybe the lack thereof of quality interpersonal relationships among millennials and trying to really uh, dive into the research of that and what that looks like and why that that is the case and so I created a platform called um, Heart Combos and so Heart Combos um, really is a culture uh, where we uh, we promote intentional conversation for the purpose delving into to deep interpersonal relationships. Mm. So. Just for the sake of our audience and, okay. and uh, getting them invested in, in where you're coming from, uh, define millennia for us. Millennials, so um, if you became an adult um, in the 21st century, if you are probably between the ages of 22 and I think 37 is the cutoff right now, I think is the technical, you know what I'm saying, like age for mm-hmm. the, the millennial. Okay. So All people right. within that, that age mm-hmm. group. Okay. More specifically, post-college, early 30s is just kind of my, my, my target. Okay. So let's, let's define or describe uh, what it is that you would like to do with this organization uh, for uh, that particular age group. Sure. Well, I think um, the initial emphasis just within the last uh, couple months has really just been bringing awareness um, to the fact that um, millennials, we all have a hard time cultivating um, intentional relationships, mainly because of what's happening in culture right now, which mm. on the digital side and the, the technological side is amazing. Some of the feats mm. that we have had, some of the, the milestones that we have crossed. However, I think it's made it more and more difficult for people to cultivate um, quality person-to-person, face-to-face relationships. Mm. And so right now, it's really just a conversation. It's really about bringing awareness and kind of um, waving the flag and saying, hey, I think this is an issue. You know, I think this is something that a lot of people can resonate with. Um, that a lot of millennials might be wrestling through, um, would you um, come stand next to me, you know, as we attempt to, to kind of cultivate this community and build this family um, of people who value hearts conversations. One of the things that's true about this radio show is that we really care about uh, this face-to-face kind of uh, commitment. So, you know, we could do a call-in show, I suppose, but honestly, neither one of us is really interested in doing that. We're really interested in seeing you, sure. uh, being sitting next to you, literally, and then having a conversation about the very things that you're interested yes. in. So just uh, just uh, so everybody knows, give a shout out to our co-host hello, over hello, here, hello, hello. Dr. Clyde Posley. Man, you are looking sharp today. Hello, just, just uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. So 
let's uh, let's transition here to the, the the idea of conversation. Why is it you know you're talking about the issue or the question of the digital divide really? where people are, are literally divided from the physical, the incarnational, Christians would call it, uh, divided from being with people. Why is it so important to be with people? Well, I mean, if you're talking about communities specifically that is Christian, I think the Lord calls us to be with people, right? Mm -hmm. He himself is in community with himself, right? You know, being a triune God, three in one. And so um, he models that himself. He then, you know, with his intention with Adam, like put him in community with himself, then put Adam in community with Eve, right? Um, and because of sin, all that, you know what I'm saying, has is, is been jacked <laughs> since, mm -hmm. since the fall. Mm -hmm. And so um, naturally as people, we don't always run towards community. We, you know, we have a message, I think, also in America that promotes autonomous, being autonomous, mm -hmm. right? Um, get it yourself, you know, like uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, figure it out, like, and, and carry the pride of being able to say, hey, I did it. Mm. Um, however, I think that um, if we're looking at the scriptures, God is calling us to love one another, to be linked in arms with one another, to bear one another's burdens, to... Um, to, to really model, you know, you know, this love um, mm. so that other people will know, you know, mm. that, that, that we're Christians. So I think God is calling us into community and we're born into it. We're born in a family. That's a community structure. Um, marriage is a community structure between, you know, that and marriage. You've got brothers, sisters. Uh, you know, Paul talks about the different relationships between, you know, parents and, and, and uh, authorities and, and workers and, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this brother-sister relationship. So I think that that the message throughout the scriptures is that we should be linking arms and doing community with one another. However, I don't think that we do that well as a church. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes um, people hide behind this notion of, oh, I'm plugged into a small group or, oh, I go to church on Sunday. But that's not really what I think that I don't think it ends there. I mm. think that, that that is only the beginning, you know, mm. maybe of what it looks like to really walk in community with others. But when you have, you know, the ability to believe that you're touching people through social media or your friends and your likes and all that stuff you can almost kind of deceive yourself into believing like oh i'm, I'm connected to people when mm. when you're not really when you're not really yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of that uh, passage in acts chapter 4 32 to 37 which talks about the fact that even though everybody held uh, what they had in, personally that is they had personal private ownership of goods uh, they shared it with everybody yeah. else and so the church really looks very different today than it did in oh, Acts chapter sure. 4. For sure. Yeah. So how do you think we get around that, get through it, get over it, uh, to bring us back to the Acts 4, 32 to 37? Do you think that, uh, you know, for the sake of saying it, should we live in communes? You know, <laughs> should we, <No>. you know, <laughs> uh, should, but should we live in neighborhoods then? Should we sell our houses that are so autonomously separated from each other and, uh, you know, live right next door to our neighbors so our neighbor sees in our windows, you know, those kinds of things. How, how does this practically, functionally work out in your mind? Listen, I'm trying to figure it out. And, and the, 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 the reality is most millennials probably don't have houses okay. <laughs> right now anyway. You know, right. so, so they're, they're probably not um, thinking through what it looks like, you know, to, to own this structure in this land and what that looks like to engage in the context of, of a neighborhood maybe I, I don't know maybe possibly i am not there um, okay um however i think you bring up a good point that um a lot again of what uh society says 
is the norm mm. is very isolated. Mm. Um, and I don't want to get you know, kind of deep in it. I, I have a mind psychology, but you know, Erickson's theory is that in his stage six of development, right, is that during this time, like post 18 to like 40, like you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to function in isolation or you want to be connected to people. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that there's a little bit of blurriness that happens with the digital age that may, where you have so much access to people mm-hmm. that it, it feels like and looks like, oh, I'm connected, but I'm not really. And you don't really know that until life happens. Um, and then when life happens, I think that's when you look around and you say, I've got this house, I've got this stuff, I've got this these possessions, but I don't have the heart-to-heart connections with, mm-hmm. with people who, who I feel like know me. You mm-hmm. know, I don't feel known. I know a lot of people, but I don't, I don't feel known. I don't mm-hmm. feel connected. And so... Um, and so what's the solution to that? You know, I, I'm not an advocate for uh, pretty perfect, polished, fenced, you know, gated community. I'm, I'm not an advocate for that. Nothing against um, uh, that. If you're if you as a Christian are being intentional with connecting with your with your neighbors, uh-huh. I like to be thrown into the thick of what's going on. You know, and I think a part of that has to do with what God has called Mike and us to. Sure. Um, our family's been called to the city, so we always have said we want to live in the context of the city. Mm-hmm. If we're serving kids in a certain area, we want to live where those kids live, and we want to go to the churches that are surrounding those kids, so we can plug them into those churches. You mm-hmm. know, and not have to take them thirty minutes to go somewhere else and then send them back. You mm-hmm. know, to where they are. So. Um, I'm an advocate for wherever God has planted you, just be intentional where you are. There's the I word. Yeah. We have a humanities person here, (laughs) Dr. Posley. We up your lane right now? Yeah, a little (laughs) bit. Bowling down my alley just just a tad. Uh, You know, I I think um, God created intersectionality, His way for this. His own ontology. <laughs> his own ontology is is a study in intersectionality. Mm. And his own existence. You mentioned it earlier. Three. It's, uh, one person, one God expressing himself in three ways. So that means there's an intersectionality to even who God is. This is important yeah, relative to the last question that you got. We were just discussing. And that is, uh, how do we function within the proximity where we've been placed sure. so that uh, so so God wants us by virtue of the fact that he has played where he has placed how he has placed humanity and created cultures or allow culture to be created however you want to look at it he has said or made a statement that he wants us to function together so we can never get away from that idea so then we've got to find a way to, to, to get along, to, to function t- to, together. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, God says, tells, Christ tells uh, Peter, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He, there's a place in Ancestry of Philippi, it's called the gates of hell, it's a city dumped as a fire. He's saying, literally, you, euphemistically, I'm going to put the church right where hell is. In proximity. So, so I'm, I'm saying all that to say, God wants us to learn how to prosper with others in mind and part of why we have so much trouble i think with relationships is because it's so easy for millennials or seniors or it's it's easy for us to look at developing our lives and exclude the notion that we are developing our lives yes for our benefit but a greater benefit is for those around us i think what 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 the church is missing today relative to acts is that we we don't have this all in common in mentality. 
in the book of Acts, they were on one accord. And when they got together, when they brought their, from, when they were there for the Feast of Pentecost, they had all things in common. They were looking for how they could integrate everything that they had. Their mindset was, we are, and, 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 and they didn't know anything different as a new church, that our success is dependent on what we all do together which is what you talked about with neighborhood yeah. to living within the context of where you've been placed. Yeah. You know, I think that's the mis I think that's the biggest uh, connected to sin, of course. But I think that's the biggest yeah, problem with the church today. We uh, we we are if I dare say so selfish. I think I think tribalism is a, it, it originates from church. Mm -hmm. I think I think by and large it's the church staying close to the vest pulling itself away trying to walk in this uh, this idea that's causing them to lose the real definition of exclusivity that makes that separates us the church should be the antithesis to tribalism we are a blob we're supposed to be rolling and spreading out to everybody and it seems that the body of Christ is becoming so exclusive we are separating ourselves from people and thus we're separating ourselves from the mission of living in the context of where we've been placed my church should be good or let God teach them to be good. My, my, my congregation should be good at what is wrong with where it has been placed. Um, Mark's church, your church, can I say congregations? I think that's something that's missing today, Dr. Echo. The churches get into a, a location. They say God told us to be here. And then they don't master What's wrong here? Mm. And this is a, this is why I think, even when I'm endeavoring to do with heart conversations, I think that part of the reason why that is the case, that we see these communities of people not necessarily being as effective as they can be where they've been planted, is implanted. because there's not healthy interpersonal relationships happening amongst those Absolutely. people. So not just people being called together for a, the purpose of pushing forward the gospel and the mm -hmm. mission, um, how, but functioning one in a in a way where there's vulnerability there's confession there there people are, are, are um so uh you know weeping when one another weeps you know rejoicing when one another rejoices mm -hmm. you have to know someone to even know what people are weeping Absolutely. you know and not just the the big stuff like a death in the family but like just what it looks like day in day out how their struggles going, yeah their struggles and, and what's going on and and discipleship and what that looks like in those contexts so i think when that's not there then people will have an even harder time living living that out, you know, beyond just events at the church or just beyond, you know, outreaches scheduled, you know, on paper. And so I think that's where I'm like, what's the missing piece here? Like, why aren't we connecting outside of the structured, scheduled stuff? Like, why don't I just know you and what's going on with you and your wife and how your kids are doing? And, you know, the fact you just had, you know, twin, you know, grandkids and all that stuff. And, and how are you feeling about that? Then, yeah. you know, and so I think that because that's not, I don't think being modeled in, in in the ones that came before us. I think also the millennials that I, again, I think a part of the difference between the generation that came before me and my generation is we can get information without wisdom. We can Google everything. Get information. information without wisdom. So I think that and that's not a that's not original. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> so don't give me any credit. Um, but I I really believe that in in previous generations 
you had to talk to the person older than you. You had to respect and revere them to some because mm. they knew more than you. Mm. You know, and so it's like, well, in order to, to mm. learn and to to get things like there's a there's a posture towards your elder of like, you know, something I don't know. I need to get that. From, I don't need you. So now when people talk about like all the kids nowadays and, you know, what's going on, it's like because they don't actually need you or your opinion to know that something is true or exists or what people think about this or, you know what I mean? Like, no, they, right. they really can Google everything. And I feel mm. like we're, we're that first trans right. like generation to transition into that, which is why there's not a strong bond in a personally, I don't think, between elders and, and, and millennials sometimes. I think that's why there's this miss, this disconnect. Um, such a stark one. People just I don't get why they don't get it. <laughs> and it's like there's so much at our fingertips. Again, we feel like we know more than we actually do, and we have more knowledge probably than anybody has ever actually had. We just don't know what to do with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. You 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 are just that, what you're saying is really profound. I really, you know, and sometimes on the show, Mark and I joke. I'm about to make something that sounds like a plug. I honestly, God, it's not. <laughs> okay. I'm really, I'm just saying. Okay, no plug. About what I'm about to say. Uh, it, I, in a book that I recently read, mm-hmm. talk about oh, the very cool. principle. No, no, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm very serious. You, 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 you argue eloquently a principle of the book, and it is that knowledge or the need, of the, the awareness to do a thing, is not enough. Mm-hmm. You, you're suggesting, you're notioning that to know something, and then not have. Engage either offered or engaged in the relationships with people mm-hmm. that cause that knowledge to become wisdom is dangerous. Yes. I talk about that. I talk about about that. How how we can we get excited about an event? We know there's a problem. We recognize something needs to be done. We can Google that there's a problem and learn the information about the problem. But it is relationships, and we talk about this. I say all the time: the most important thing on earth are relationships. We've been the proximity God's put us in. Everything you have in life, everything you have has come is the result of some relationship. Absolutely. Your existence, Absolutely. your your job, your income, everything. Absolutely. Relationship. It's those relationships that have the greatest potential to turn knowledge into true wisdom. Mm-hmm. A person's history, a person's experience yep. mixed with what I can Google and know. Sure. And, and I think that's what the body of Christ is missing uh, 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 is those relationships. So you talked about how do we, how do we get that? We, we decide that we want it bad enough to just go make them. Well, why don't we have it? I don't think, I think the love of many is waxing cold, as the scripture says. Okay. I, lived, I lived in a, in a, in a uh, community once uh, for about uh, 15 years. It's relative to your your statements, your your well placed statements, intelligent statements, and um, the people who I lived on a corner. People <laughs> next to me, um, they never spoke to me. I would come out and blow my horn. You see, just see neighbor next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're of a different nationality, sure. uh, ethnicity, ethnicity, and uh, <laughs> never spoke to me. Wouldn't respond. I'd wave. My kids would wave. My kids would come in crying. People won't speak to us next door. Well. Um, one day it was snowing really badly. I was blowing the snow out of my driveway. It was just it was just terrible snow, and I just decided to blow the snow out of their driveway uh, and did his drive. And and the wife saw that, and the husband came home and saw that. Later that day, um, the wife came to the door with an apple pie. Hmm. 
Now, it was, that seems like a great gesture, but to me it wasn't. For 15 years, I've been trying to speak to you. You intentionally tried not to speak to me. Mm. And now I, you think I should eat an apple pie that you made. I've tried to have relationship. And now that you decide I've done something that you needed, you're willing to have relationships on, on your terms. That's why we have so much trouble in the body of Christ. Either, and, and, and the paradox there, either people, people won't go to try to have relationships, or folk won't respond to relationships, or people try to have relationships but on their own terms. And we have to decide that relationships are the main thing, not on your terms, not on mine, that we need to have a relationship. Because by the time my efforts have been thwarted, I didn't want relationship. And by the time they were ready, you know, and, and all that's confused. I'm not saying they were right or I'm right. I'm, I was right. But the problem is nobody had priority on relationship. Sure. And I think the big, the, the, the thing that will cross the divides is for us in the body of Christ. Because any change in society, in my view, comes from the body of Christ. We are the ones to bring change sure. we've got to decide relationships are the priority whether even uncomfortable ones which you alluded to earlier mm -hmm. if, even if they're uncomfortable we've got to have relationships i'm going to interrupt and say we need to take a break so we're going to take a one song break here and when we come back we're going to continue the conversation with Kristen newton uh, dr clyde posley and essence behind the camera i have to say essence a couple times uh, we're grateful that you're here with us here, Facebook Live, on our podcast. Uh, you pick us up later, however that happens. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Facebook Live will stay. Uh, the rest, you will be right back. So there are people actually uh, sitting in office cubicles and places around town that are, you know, have earbuds in listening to us at the very moment, okay. uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, Dr. Clyde has his own following from his church, folks wow. that are are there and, and listening and actually my mom in Denver, Colorado. Hi mom. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Hello mom. Has, has a whole bunch of folks out there listening too so that's kind of cool but uh, this is one of those situations where you, you know you have hundreds of people listening at the same time. Sure. Actually people around the world uh, so there are people plugged in on continents uh, listening to us right now that you know we'll never meet but it's kind of cool you know and, and we have these kinds of conversations that really are conversations that are important for all cultures, all people, Absolutely. all places. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Facebook Live folks, thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, glad to see all of your smiling faces there. Uh, once again, Mark has the inability to actually interact with you while you're uh, there outside of waving back. I hit those little white dots, you know, that say wave, and mm -hmm. that's all I can do. <laughs> um, the rest of you, if you're writing me notes, um, or if you're texting me or messaging me, I'm really sorry I can't pick that up right now because my phone is doing Facebook Live. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much. And, and and I hate to say this. I hate to say this. I don't have my copy. I, I, I have one. <laughs> I am your co-host uh, yeah, and I, I, I do not have my copy yet. I have one. That's, that's not good. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Dr. Clyde came in and, and spoke to my class. I do a class on reading, writing, and inquiry at IUPUI. And so we've had, every time they have a large project, right after the project, half an hour, I bring in a guest speaker. And uh, Clyde was in last time. And it was great. Um, 
gave this eloquent speech and had some great questions that were given. Hey, HP, you ready to come in to talk to my class? Absolutely. All right, I'm going to give you a date. Most of the students in my class are white, and so um, I don't make a big deal out of this, but all of the guests that I bring in are black. Oh. And that's very, <laughs> speaking of intentionality, um, and I do that because, you know, I think it's pretty obvious for those of us sitting at this table, but for them, it's one of those situations where they go, wow, I'm listening to somebody else who doesn't look like me, and, you know, these are really bright, brilliant people, and this guy just wrote a book, even though I don't have no, I'm giving you a hard time, man. Hey, and by the way, I'm going to bring in an ontology jar, and every time you use that word, you're going to drop a dollar on me. <laughs> every single episode, every time we talk, he uses the word ontology. And now it's on purpose. He just does it just just to smile at me during our, our conversations. What church is he at? He is at Antioch Baptist, uh, 32nd and Fall Creek. Yeah. yeah. He's quite the preacher too, boy, I'll tell you what. He can bring it. I went to hear him preach in June, and uh, he preached for an hour. And Clyde is one of those preachers that does 360 preaching. So, okay, he's got people behind him as well as a congregation in front. And so he's constantly turning around and talking to everybody, which is just really kind of fun. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and we are back. Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. Thanks so much for joining us. All those of you who are with us here at Facebook Live, we're grateful for your presence, as well as those who are listening on earbuds around Indianapolis. Uh, perhaps computer screens around the world, actually. Uh, we have three to 400 people that, are, that might join us in any given time uh, around the world, actually. So that's really kind of a cool, uh, cool thing to actually happen for us. Uh, we are here with Kristen Newton, and we are talking about uh, heart conversations. And Kristen, we're following up on uh, some of the uh, emphases that we did in our first segment. And we've got about 15, 20 minutes left, and we've talked through the issue of conversations and community. Uh, you talked specifically about the issue, the problems that both dis digital advancements uh, give us, but also detract from us. Um, you had said to me in, in one of our uh, email exchanges back and forth that you had uh, been doing some research in this. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the kinds of background readings that you're doing and uh, maybe a little bit about that LinkedIn interview that you did too. Uh, to give people kind of a background about what invigorates your thinking about this. Sure. Um, I think just the thing that sticks out the most, what invigorates my thinking about this, is that I am a direct product of intentional community. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the Lord could have done it anyway. He could have, you know, <laughs> brought me to himself anyway, but he really used some some people who were who valued intentional community um, to kind of bring me in under their wing, you mm -hmm. know, and, and kind of love me to the Lord almost, it mm -hmm. feels like. Um, and then not only that, but then to walk with me through a lot, a whole lot of stuff um, to bring me, you know, to, uh, you know, the, in this process of, of becoming the more mature man that Christ promised, right, you know, mm -hmm. for us to become. And so 
um, that has been the thing that really gets me excited about heart conversations because I've seen the fruit of it in my own life and I want that for the girls that I'm discipling really this whole endeavor is a, a product of me walking with girls and noticing things in their own lives where I'm like okay so why are we having this conversation or what do your friends look like oh your friends are trash okay <laughs> so all right you don't have very good friends. well why don't you have very good friends like how are you picking your friends like let's talk about this and and where are you guys meeting oh at work your co-workers okay that's hit or miss all right let's we're with you know just trying to have that conversation about um, what it looks like to do life intentionally with those girls um, really kind of just started to spark like, man, I'm, I'm noticing a pattern amongst the people in my own life. Um, and then being an artist and having toured and being connected to so many different churches and ministries and things just over the last decade, I feel like I've just seen patterns. Not only that though, from the research side of things, um, Brene Brown, who, um, and not all these people are necessarily Christians, um, but um, has really, you know, created a, a huge platform right now on vulnerability, you know, really kind of pubbing that, um, the we, we view vulnerability as a, as a culture, um, and shame and guilt and all those things, like we don't really dive into that stuff, those are things that we like to kind of push away, and so I think that she's kind of one of the leading spokespersons on that topic right now. Um, and so I've been tapping into quite a bit of her things. <clears throat> um, I think um, Eric Erickson, like I was uh, kind of mentioning before, I just love from a psychology standpoint how people will just notice these trends and patterns, right, in, in us as people, like when why we function the way we function and what we're valuing at different phases. And it really just blows my mind that that 18 to kind of 40 range is when we're, we're seeking, you know, connections with people, deep relationships, or we kind of drift to isolation. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times you have these conversations with people, uh, a lot of people are struggling with loneliness. And I think that's coming to the surface a lot. We see, um, I think even if you notice the trends in, in pop culture and um, amongst uh, celebrities, like a lot of suicides, a lot of just really hopelessness, like plummeting into you know drugs and all that kind of stuff. Because again, those people who are who are seen by a lot of people and feel touched by a lot of people really don't feel known, really feel lonely and isolated on the inside because they haven't um, maybe been able to form those those deep connections with others. And I don't think that's just from a you know celebrity standpoint. I think if the the people that you see on a day to day basis can really be wrestling through those same struggles um, if given the time to sit down and ask you know the right questions and so um, yeah those are some of the I'll just you know drop a few, a few names but I think that uh, within the scriptures we see uh, the truth of what community looks like it looks messy but it looks intentional mm. um, it looks fruitful and glorious at times but it also looks very hard <laughs> you know and mm. you, you guys were uh, talking about acts and I'm like the division that came, you know, even there, yeah. you know, it was the, the first church. So you, you see on the front end of it, people selling their stuff and sharing everything that they had. But then you also see later, like, all right, you go your way and I'm going to go my way, mm -hmm. you know, like, so there's this, this ebb and flow, right. Thing that happens, I think in relationship dynamics, but the scriptures always speak to, to love, you know, being the thing that pursues that Paul tells us to, you know, do our best to, to live at peace with one another, mm. um, to be intentional about preferring, you know, one of the other person over ourselves, um, submitting to one another. And so um, I think if we were to to be more intentional again about flushing that out beyond church service, beyond church activity, but really in the day to day, just engagement of, of the people next to us, we would see we would see it. Change. You mentioned Acts and uh, this reference that you have there about things divide, and we 
tend to go our own way. Acts chapter 6 is that great example of this where you have two groups of widows. One group's not being served and the other is. And so you see this, the ideal and the real. The ideal is in chapter 4 and the real is in Acts chapter 6. So you actually have to come to some conclusion about that. You have to, you have to eradicate the problem or deal with the problem in some way or another. So ultimately, uh, we bear responsibility for ourselves and for each other. You had mentioned um, in your comments about the young girls that you're discipling. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about those groups, uh, whether it be one group or many groups. Tell us about those young women and about why that's important to you or why that group why that group of people is important to you. Sure. Um, so one of the things that I talk about within Heart Combos is this uh, principle called the Oreo principle. Right? So everyone loves a good Oreo cookie. Um, or maybe they don't. <laughs> um, however, you know what an Oreo is. It's two cookies and cream on the inside. And so I tell people when, when it comes to building relationships uh, with others, I think the scriptures... Um, show us that we need to have these three elements. We need to have a top layer, so a Titus 2, right? A um, mm -hmm. person in our life who's older than us, at least um, a, a phase ahead of us in life, right? Either in right. age or knowledge, investing into us. We need a bottom layer, right? Mm -hmm. We need Timothys in our life, like people that we are investing in, which I don't think that um, we always do a good job um, in taking all that this we, we get and, you know, put, giving it to someone else, Um and encouraging people to, hey, just just come do life with me. Come walk alongside of me. You know, just watch what I do. You know, follow me as I follow Christ. And so um, so there's the bottom layer. But then you have your sweet stuff in the middle. And that's your peer-to-peer -peer relationships, your brothers, your sisters, your, your friends, right? Um, those relationships being cultivated there. Um, and so for my bottom layer, I have always, again, as a product of discipleship, I have always just thought, if the Lord is giving me um, intentional time and my seasons are crossing with another person who's younger than me, I would, if, if the opportunity presents itself, I want to be investing in her. And what that looks like for me personally uh, with, with some girls is just us doing life the first year. We don't even really sit down and do anything very structured. It's, it's I need to kind of get to know you and see how you respond to life when life happens to see what makes you um, happy, what gets you excited, like how you, you know, handle disappointment, like just kind of figure that out first before we sit down and we we open up a book and start asking you questions about said struggles because I think if you jump straight into that that um the person on the other side can sometimes feel the need to perform and to, mm -hmm. to have the right answers without there being that that relationship there and so I think that's what I do you know with with a few girls here in the city um who are, who are younger than me kind of post-college um I've got girls that I've walked with since literally like 10 years old and are now like 21 and 20 um yeah 20 she's 21 now um, and she's in, in back in Virginia where I'm from. Um, but then I'm a part of Edge Mentoring. So you asked about that earlier. <clears throat> Edge Mentoring is an organization here in the city. Um, Dave Neff is um, over that. And he, <clears throat> they're, they're, they endeavor to set up mentees and mentors in the context of business professional relationships. And so I have a group of six girls that I meet with. I try to meet with about twice a month. And we talk about what it looks like to love God in the context of like our work and what, what God has called us to professionally. So... <laughs> Excuse me. So those are some of the relationships that I have with young women on the business kind of structured professional side, but then on the every you know day to day life mm. on life type type side too. Mm. It strikes me as I'm I'm listening to you talk, and I I'm seeing across from Dr. Posley thinking about you know what does it mean to be in pastoral ministry? You are in pastoral ministry. Oh no! Wait wait wait! Don't throw the p word. Well. In in, in the Ephesians in the Ephesians four eleven and twelve uh, emphasis of you are indeed a pastor teacher you participate 
in the shepherding of people oh. in that thing in that sense of things. Um, and maybe we can get Dr. Posley to say a word about this because this is an important idea. You mentioned the business community. You mentioned edge mentoring. Um, why is it, uh, you know, you all just have a conversation about this. Why is it, do you think, that uh, we have this tendency to divide vocations? So we have uh, the business community, for instance, or we have the computer com community or the education <laughs> community or the military or whatever community it might be. Why is it that we have this tendency to divide those communities, and what can the church do to bring those communities together? Well, I, I don't know that there's information. I don't know that there's understanding in the body of Christ that the world is built on <laughs> intersectionality. I, I, I don't. I just. I'm just not sure. I don't hear it from from very many pulpits uh, that. Um, as you know, you know my degree is an interdisciplinary degree, and uh, you know I'm glad the privilege, the opportunity to go to other schools, uh, IU. Uh, I specifically chose Union because of it. It brought uh, disciplines together. The church has to understand that there is no separation between how uh, God wants business done, how God wants health care to run. <coughs> Who, as as John Rawls famously put it, the, the uh, author from the 1990s, uh, who who gets what desserts should all be based on Scripture, and God has spoken to these issues. It is when we try to pull them out and say, okay, well, you know, this music stuff is not really a part of church. You can't you can't be a Christian and be in a rock band, or or you can't be a stockbroker and be a Christian, or you can't be, you know, whatever. You know, we it, it is it is somehow, for lack of a better term, right now, just ignorance. I don't mean stupidity. It's just ignorant. We just don't really know. And again, we I think we miss it because people who have over the years learned that it's true, not going back and telling people who create these separates. Hey, now that I'm seventy, now that I'm whatever, I realized that I, I, I could have been a Christian. Or I, I was a Christian, and I was in a rock band or I was, I was, you know, uh, in, in a fortune, ran a fortune 500 company that, that did not produce so quote unquote Christian products, but it, 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 I, I still maintained my relation, maintained my relationship with the Lord. And so I think pastors have to decide to do it, to teach it mm. and to model it. Mm. I think a, a, another distinction, that's another distinction, this whole aspect of sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a huge value for I think the ones before millennials. Mm -hmm. You know, um, millennials I don't think carry that same sentiment. Again, a part of that having to do with just life and progress of our culture and society and all the kind of it doesn't even make sense to try to separate them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think when a person is like, oh well, if you're a Christian, you wouldn't be doing this, you know, or whatever these these thoughts or ideas that this is separate and should only be over here. That guy can't have any part of this or. You can't be in a rock band and love God. You know, you can't be the DJ for the Indiana Pacers and, and love Jesus, right? Like, you're not playing Bill song or, you know, Susie and Joppy, whoever, at the Pacers Arena. So how, how do you reconcile those two things? And I don't think that um, that, that same value system is the same. And so I think that's also where I'm missing a disconnect is because I think that uh, the millennial will believe that um, Christian, you know, like being 
born and raised in this particular time, we are influencers, you know, and have the ability to influence more than anything. And I think we see that in scripture. So not only in culture do we see the the valid, I mean, the value of the influencer and how. I mean, like you think about like a LeBron James or, or just anybody with influence, how they have the ability to speak on so many levels just because mm-hmm. of how we value influencers right now in culture. And I think scripture talks about that as a Christian. Like we are the salt and light of the, of the earth. You know, like we are um, a city set on a hill. You know what I'm saying? Like we are elevated, you know, and given opportunity to shine brightly. Um, but we've always thought, oh, well, you should only do it in this context or it can only be done in this context. And I don't think that that's a shared mentality uh, for well, younger people. And, and those things are true. I think we should also make room for the reality that there is also within millenn- within some millennial circles, uh, uh, older circles for that matter, that um, somehow God should get in step with what they want to do. In, a, in other words, they're, they're, we have to, again, I stand by the original, original statement that I made, but, but there's a temperance that has to happen because, you know, as a pastor for, for uh, 30 years, I've, I've run into this this uh, mindset among some millennials that the church needs to get in step with how they want to live versus coming to Christ. Oh, no, there's still a standard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, 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 that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's where I'm going. But you see, when, when many, for many people who have lived a certain way have had a certain mindset to be transformed by the renewing of their mind for the purpose of causing their behavior to mirror Christ sure. is a hard concept to accept yes. because they, many of them are just coming to church to buy fire insurance more sure. than they are sure. to decide that there's a way that you were put on earth to live to live out the Christ in you. Sure. And so it's, it's, it, there's, a, there's a necessary balance. Yeah. It's a necessary balance. Uh, and, and I have to be, it's, it, and it's hard to preach the gospel uh, in some arenas where you can feel the resistance. Yeah, there, there's this sense of you know you 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 have hangups. Well, no, if 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 getting if if not all millennials do this. I'm just giving an example. Uh, or all seniors. If if being intoxicated every day is a part of what you believe you can do and 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 say you're a Christian, the Bible doesn't say that. And so I, I and so I, you mentioned you speak as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I run into that. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a wife and three girlfriends. <laughs> you, you, you cannot you cannot date and be sleeping with if you're single. Uh, well, dating is the thing to do. Well, you, you're, I'm not going to tell you from this pulpit you should be having sex. You know, but we live in an age sex today. Don't, go, don't have to go together. Yeah, that, well, see, that's what I'm. Well, that's what I'm preaching. Sure. But but at the same time, you know, there's a culture within. Uh, the, the larger mass of millennials that believe, look, of course we're having sex. Mm-hmm. What, what, you, what? No, see, that's mm-hmm. not Bible. So yeah, and we know that, <laughs> yeah, and we know that. But that, but but again, that's there. There are people who believe, sure, uh, in, in 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 the millennial culture mm-hmm. that that. Uh, and I would say, mean? and I would say, we would need to have a hard conversation about yeah. that. You a know, hard like, conversation. We would need to have a hard. Sure. Let's be honest. But, but you, but you have to admit, I'm, I'm sure with. No. Range you run yes. into people who Absolutely. say they are Christians yes. and they look look at you with raised eyebrows. You mean you think I'm not having sex? Yes, I'm a Christian and I'm having sex and I'm not married. Of course I am. That is a mindset. Yeah. Uh, and of course it's wrong. We know it's wrong, but I'm saying that this is one of those areas we have to make push mm-hmm. back and say, listen, we want we want you to be innovative and bring your personality 
to, but you you need to be born again. Mm, there needs to be some kind of repentance some, along with, exactly. with salvation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have uh, just a couple of minutes left here, and we want to make sure to uh, give you, Kristen, uh, the last word here. So you tell us what do you want to leave our audience with here today? What is the the one thing that you want them to walk away with? Uh, what's your last word? I think that um, there should be a larger um, emphasis on grace in the context of the church and not an excuse to, not as an excuse to sin, right? We talk about Romans, right? Like we, we're not using it as, as an excuse to just do whatever we want. However, I think if there is a culture created where grace is abounding, then people won't be so resistant to to come as they are mm. and to engage people in a very genuine and authentic way that that helps um, cultivate these deep interpersonal relationships. Mm. I think if um, I don't know if the church is often perceived as a place where grace abounds, um, so people are like, I'm not going to take my stuff there. I'm going to try to get it together first and then come. You mm -hmm. know, and it's like that's not what God calls us to, and that's not what Jesus you know called us to, and and. Um, so if I have one word and people are like, well, what's the, what's the fix? I, I just think if we can figure out what it looks like to model grace, um, mm. you know, Absolutely. more and more, day in and day out. And again, not as an excuse to, to sin and not Absolutely. to, you know, in a way of an lowering the standard. Of the love you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. 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 I think it would be a lot Most easier to have. word in the, in, the, in the Bible, in my opinion. Yes, I think mm. it would be a lot easier um, to have these conversations because again, grace is not earned, it's not deserved, it's it's, it's freely given. Absolutely. You know, and I don't know that the church always models a love that is freely given. Mm. Like you didn't have to earn it, you don't have to agree with me, you don't have to like. I don't know that we do that well. So I think if, if we're focusing on something and you know, in an effort, how do we have the more heart conversations with people? I think we lead with grace. You lead with grace. You've heard it here first, folks. Kristen Newton, thank you so much for hey, being here was, with us. It was great. You and Essence, thank you, Essence, for being here behind the camera. Uh, we are grateful for your uh, presence here today with us, Dr. Clyde Posley. Dr. Mark Eckel, H.B. Bell is our producer and going to be swinging two songs for us while we get some pictures taken. And Facebook Live will be around, even though you might not see us. You'll see us in the background. Uh, those of you listening to the podcast, we will be back in about 8 to 10 minutes. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. It's great. Thanks, that that, that uh, ending with Grace, I don't think you could have ended better. There you thank go. You. That is the most single, most it, it's the most important topic in the world to me. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, where the church suffers is our inability to embrace people as they are before we start ramming the scripture, change this, stop that. Mm -hmm. We would help you do that. No, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grace. There you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because that's not how we all out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I think we forget that though. I don't yeah. know what that's about. <laughs> you get on yeah, the other side. Turn into, well, I'm on this thing now. I'm teaching a series where I'm outlawing the word Christian in my church for for the rest of the year. Because I'm teaching about the kingdom. I was going to say, you outlawing well, the word? The yeah, word? yeah. Well, um, there's nowhere in the Bible that we're instructed to use the word Christian. No, they call them Christians. No, that's not what I said. There's <laughs> nowhere. We'll be right back. That's a slur. That was, that was a slur. I forgot to watch. I didn't yeah. think you hang around like a And so, um, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God, and he instructs us to do something. 
if you, if you check, just, 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 just check the history of the work, there's nowhere that we're, we're that's, a, that's the label that was put on us, but put on the church there in, in the book of Acts. Christ doesn't use it, Bible doesn't instruct it. No apostle uses it, nowhere. And the world has commandeered it and given it a multiplicity of definitions. And so we as believers start trying to follow what human and secularism defines as Christian. Why do we get definitions from the world about Christianity? It's because we, we don't have any instructions from the scriptures that have not even given that part. We do we're going to try and get a picture here. Of the word was yes. Not since we would really like you here. Unless you just really don't. I'm really okay. I would okay. prefer to my, just be here. Come over here right here. I yeah, have your phone. Can you take a photo? Yes. Yeah. What? You want a lot? There's a, okay. I'm telling you what. Look at you. Why are you posing? Okay. Me. I'm doing both right now. Okay. You go first. Gotcha. Thank you. I'm gonna go one, two. Oh, you're gonna do one yes. too. Okay. okay. And then one long because you know. Yeah, you gotta do that. Gotta and then you that. can crop it later. Alright, one, two, three, four, five. There you go. This is great. Yeah, thank it's you ever so much. You got my information. Oh, we got yeah, yeah. Her phone is real good. Just, just give us some thought. Just, just, just give us some thought. We, we just did it. Um, He's trying to I'm sorry to hear you. At my church, we just got finished going through that. Well, we're going through that, but we got just got finished going through that part where, um, based on what they were seeing, they were referred to as Christian. Yeah, that, that term has to do with is given in the same sense that people being called Herodians. Mm -hmm. It was only attached to the fact that this is how that could be identified with one person. All right, folks. And, and that was never the end. We're back. I got to start waving to people again. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Dr. Clyde is um, carrying on theology lesson over in the other room. And we're grateful for um, for Kristen's presence here with us today. And Mike, when you're watching this later on, thank you for uh, for being out of town, man. <laughs> Just messing with you. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, if you get, never get it, if folks who are watching, listening, ever get a chance to meet Mike and, of course, Kristen, that'd be great. Uh, great additions to ministers and ministries here in and around Indianapolis, of course, the emphasis also at IUPUI, where Mike uh, does some great work in young life, on the west side of town as well. So I'm going to give a shout out to my um, my co-host here. Um, this is a copy of his book, and want to make sure to get that uh, there for him, uh, talk about this as well, talk, I'm sure, in the future about these things. So, you know, you're talking to a writer here, Dr. I Posley, and grateful for his presence on the show. Looking forward to having uh, Chanel Davis here with us in the second hour. Uh, talk about domestic violence and the issues uh, that surround us there. Um, for those of you who are uh, knowledgeable about this, these things, I probably don't need to tell you this, but. Bottom line is, uh, tomorrow is a remembrance of domestic violence, so uh, I think we're all supposed to wear purple in that regard. It's not something to take lightly. 
and remembering those who are um, constantly battling on behalf of those who have been uh, violated domestically, as well as those who are participating uh, and need to come to repentance and us in that arena as well. So we're grateful uh, that you're here with us. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, the emphasis of this particular show in the first hour has been on courageous conversations, the kinds of things that uh, people are uh, needing to have in and around in that atmosphere. I am going to um, give my give myself some options here to um, to check these things out. So thanks for hanging in there with us. Grateful for your presence. Looking forward to uh, having Chanel here in just a moment and catching uh, up with her, uh, seeing her here in the program. We have gotten so caught in, the, in so many different ideas of what it means or not means to be a Christian. We've lost the whole notion. If you hear Dr. Clyde in the background, he is uh, waxing eloquent here. Yeah, would you catch that door for us here, Chanel? She's uh, just coming in. We're going to say hello here. Just a second. Uh, it's good to see you. for your presence. <sighs> All right, Facebook Live, here she is, in person. <laughs> uh, we're grateful. Um, podcast will start in a couple of minutes. HBO gets heads up. But, um, this is uh, Dr. Clyde Bosley. Can I touch it? Am I able to do it? Okay. You sure? <laughs> in my house, if you do that. Last night I was, last night I was, uh, my wife was sitting at the table. And she was uh, selling books, and uh, I, I, I sneezed. So one of my beacons, I said, hey, can you go in the restroom and get me a, some tissue? He turns, my wife's purse was sitting behind where the thing was. He reaches in her what? purse. What? My wife said that. Oh, my word. Around. I said, Beacon, you did not. <laughs> oh, my word. Just reaching my wife. He said, well, you said you want, I said, no, I told you to go in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 Whatever you do. Yes, sir. All right. All right. We're coming right back on here with Chanel Davis. Thank you so much for being here today. We're very happy. Thank you. All right. We're back. Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next Step TV at the Cool Groove site. And we are here today uh, talking to two individuals. In the first hour, we had Kristen Davis, or I'm sorry, Kristen Newton here uh, in the first hour. Uh, grateful for her uh, connection with us about heart conversations. And then in this hour, we have uh, Chanel Davis here talking about domestic violence and the issues that surround us. And I was hearing coming in today, uh, Chanel, on one of the radio shows I was listening to, uh, that tomorrow is a Domestic Violence Day, actually. It is. And we're supposed to be wearing purple tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I have no purple shirts, everybody. So I, I have do. To, 
Uh, well, <laughs> look at this guy over here. I mean, I come on. Blue today, does all the does he me. look like he needs any help with his wardrobe? Come on. I do. I'm the guy that needs help with his wardrobe. You can stand. <laughs> <laughs> right now, my mom, who's listening, hi, mom, uh, is um, uh, desperately writing down Mark needs a purple shirt. <laughs> so, right after this broadcast, this afternoon, I'm going to go, go get a purple shirt. Uh, of course, Dr. Clyde has a purple shirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, forgive me. Uh, you know, it's all. Tell your mom has my fraternity color, so she uh, understands. Oh, why, see? So she's not thinking, why is he so sure? <laughs> has he been in his closet? My fraternity. So make a sci fi fraternity movie. <laughs> Yeah. I'm telling you, we have a good time in this show. If there's nothing else that goes on here, we have a good time. So, Dr. Clyde Bosley, Dr. Mark Eckel, Chanel Davis, we're talking here in the second hour of Warp and Woof Radio about the very important uh, discussion topic of domestic violence. And uh, thankful again that uh, you're you're here. Please uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself, uh, your in investment in this area, and maybe give a shout out to the Smith Institute yeah, along the sure. way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, a little bit about my background is I was raised in a home where there was domestic violence. Um, raised in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor and a minister when he wasn't pastoring. However, life at home was completely different than what was preached. Um, and in our situation, there was physical violence included. So I remember going to women's shelters um, and having to keep silent about the location and, mm -hmm. you know, just all of the family of secrets, the family of shame, everything that comes with that. Um, and I remember my mom reaching out for help from the church and even myself reaching out for help. Um, the church would tell her things like, be more submissive. Oh, he probably needs to preach more. Mm. Um, and when I reached out to a camp counselor, the, actually the pastor's wife um, shamed me and told me I should never talk about oh, what goes word. on at home. Um, oh, and at word. that point, I became very disconnected from God because the God that I had been to, yeah. that everything would stop. Yeah. He had to intervene, mm -hmm. and then the people who should have been able to provide some support were not able to yep. um, be supportive. Grew up, and then later in my adult relationships, I found um, that I was in some abusive situations, and then I just took the time to say, okay, what's going on? How can I change this situation? How can I prevent this um, from continuing? The name of the Smith Institute actually comes from my grandmother. Um, in my early adult life, uh, I've learned that my grandmother was killed in domestic violence. Oh, and so that experience obviously created a ripple effect in the generations, and that's what this type of thing does. Mm. So created the Smith Institute in honor of her, um, as well as to educate people about domestic violence and also get the faith community involved in helping to help families heal. Mm. One in four women experience domestic violence mm. in general, mm -hmm. but in the church, it's more mm. like one in three. Really? And so to not deal with it, yes. Actually, religion um, is a be, can be a promoter of domestic violence, just mm -hmm. especially with Christianity. Even for Exactly. So, you know, it, it's really important that we provide help and hope because it's not just a family issue. It's not an anger issue. It's a societal issue. And when we see ills going out um, in the community and stuff happening in the community, we really need to ask what's going on in homes. Mm -hmm. And if violence 
is happening in homes. It's not going to lead to um, our families very right. well. <clears throat> Just so everybody knows uh, that's listening and seeing us on Facebook Live, uh, please go to thesmithinstitute.org uh, to get all the background information that you need on this great organization here in Indianapolis. So uh, let's just kind of give a, a fuller uh, examination of the Smith Institute and tell people about the kinds of connections that you have around the community, uh, in and around the Christian community, because you've got folks that are sponsoring outside of that, and then maybe some of the, the individuals that might be involved as well. Sure. So um, some organizations in the community, actually uh, coming up on Saturday, in part we're partnering with uh, Silent No More, Purpose for My Pain and the Riley Center to bring a domestic violence awareness event. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be from 10 to 12. It's for women and young girls ages 12 and up. And so we're going to have a talk show thing called Real Talk Indie. Mm -hmm. nice. Talk about love relationships, social media, and preventing domestic violence. Um, mm -hmm. And where is this going to be again? At the Riley Center. At the so Riley the west Center. Side on the west side of Indianapolis. Okay. And people can register via Eventbrite. Okay. We're going to have raffles. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to talk about a tough topic, yeah. a necessary topic, but in a context that you walk away feeling empowered. Good. Um, also work with organizations like um, Faith, Hope, and Love. Yes. Yes. Work with, I've worked with... Um, different churches. Heartland Church was mm -hmm. one where the first support group actually started, mm -hmm. having a faith-based domestic violence support group. Mm -hmm. And women have found that very helpful, too. Also, Union Chapel United Methodist Church and the Haverstick, which is a Church of the Crossing. Mm -hmm. and that's um, some of the other organizations and churches we've worked with. Very good. Uh, Haverstick, by the way, uh, those of you who may or may not know, uh, is actually hosting the Q Commons coming up here on the 26th. You'll want to make sure to write that on your calendars as well. So from 10 to 12 on Saturday, the Riley Center on the west side of town. Mm -hmm. And you're partnering with a whole bunch of other uh, groups, which is fantastic and, and good, again, to show the solidarity emphasis. So I wanted to come back to this issue of, of the one-third or one out of three in the church. What is it, I mean, outside the general comment that you made about religion could be a promoter of violence, what is it, do you think, that uh, that is is the problem in the church, I guess, of, for a lack of saying it any differently or better than that? What is it that we are facing in the church that, that people are not getting that this, this should be an, an area where people are loved and cared for and given grace and we're violating them? Yes, I think part of the problem is that it's not addressed over the pulpit. Mm. Uh, believe it or not... Um, focus ministries that have been serving um, women who are impacted by domestic violence from a faith-based perspective for over 30 years. Um, Paula Silva, she's the co-founder, she said the largest um, group of people who are needing domestic violence support are actually pastor and minister's wives. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And so, you know, the pastor is or minister is preaching one thing but living a different mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that comes from accountability. So if people aren't held accountable, uh, it's very easy to project an image up mm. front and look great, mm. but then behind the scenes be a complete different person, the mm. whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And we see that a lot with narcissism, mm. and that's kind of a higher thing. People in um, authority figures tend to have some of those traits. Mm. So I think that's part of it. 
um, and not real accountability. And then also creating safe spaces to share what's really going on. So by the time a woman actually gets up the nerve to say, okay, this is what's going on, if she's not also met with, I believe you, how can we support you, then she's less likely to share. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. It's not addressed over the pulpit. Um, and then also, scriptures can be manipulated, and if people don't know about scriptures, they can take them out of context. Mm -hmm. The whole wife, submit yourselves to your husband as mm -hmm. unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. That is used a lot. Sure. But yeah. people mm -hmm. don't the want to jump. The Bible talks about submitting yourselves to one another. Exactly. They don't jump, God, yeah, right. jump back up to that. And mm -hmm. what does that submission look like as unto the Lord? You know, so I think that's part of it. And so a lack of awareness of understanding the heart behind scripture and then just spiritual abuse and we've seen that you know for centuries just beyond domestic violence you know how scripture has been used to oppress such as like in slavery or to abuse is in the, the case of domestic violence so i think that's part of the problem and then not um maybe some of it also is a lack of healthy masculinity positive masculinity being taught and because domestic violence is more of a perspective, the man, the, and I'm saying men, we know that women can be, a, you know, abused, abusers, but a lot of the women that come, they are, have been perpetrated by men. Um, so part of it is the perspective and the understanding of what masculinity is and what it means to be ahead, which means when you're a leader, you're being number one to, to serve. Um, so changing perspectives of what it means to be the head, I think, would be helpful too, but there's not a lot of support, and I'm not quite sure how how much investment there is in men's discipleship. Mm -hmm. So if a man has not seen the right thing but wants to be different, he just doesn't know. I've also talked to some men who have been married for decades, and they say, yeah, I used to be abusive, but they made some changes. Well, they may not have known if it wasn't physical abuse. Maybe it was emotional abuse, or they didn't know that just calling the woman names was as big of an issue as it really is. But once they learned about that, then they made some changes and can acknowledge, yeah, I was doing the wrong thing. And then they come alongside and help other people. Mm. I, you know, for guys like us, uh, you know, frankly, uh, it, it's really hard to interact with this because first of all, guys. But secondly, you know, you know a little bit of my own personal history about growing up in the home of an abuser. So, you know, I have that kind of, of background. And you know, you're sitting uh, here in the studio with men who are very conscious about this issue, very concerned about uh, coming alongside people to help, to defend, uh, and then to speak up and speak out on these issues. If you were going to give us first steps, if you were going to say to us, uh, this is what you need to do, one, two, and three. Here, here are the top things you need to uh, participate in or invest yourself in. What would you say? For you two? Oh, for us, for men generally? Okay. Yeah. I say for men generally, start having the conversation and talk about, I'm more strength-based, so versus saying, well, don't abuse, let's talk about what it looks like to have a healthy relationship, mm -hmm. what it looks like to to be a good man in the context of a relationship, which is similar to what I do with the women. So we just don't talk about domestic violence only. We also talk about what health looks like and what wellness looks like in that regard. A healthy relationship. Exactly. Yeah, so I okay. think having discussions around healthy relationships, mm -hmm. um, I think just having some, maybe some transparency on struggles so that if a guy is being abusive but wants to change, then he's aware 
Now we know it as it relates to abusers, there's a large percentage that don't change because it's a mentality mm. and a way of being. Um, but for those who might be more emotionally reactive, if they have a safe space, and no, okay, it's okay for me to be honest about where I am. Mm. And there are men around me who will love me through it and help me get better. I think that goes a long way, mm. too. When we talk about being leaders in the church, and obviously, you know, we're having, we have a radio show and we have investment around town on uh, the specific issues that we deal with all the time. And this is, by the way, not the first time we have had a session on the radio show on domestic violence. We've had a number of others uh, here to in, uh, to in, be included in these discussions. Um, when we think about this from a leadership point of view, uh, you asked a moment ago, um, how, do you want me to speak to you too? Yeah, I would like you to speak to us. In terms of leaders in the community, what is our responsibility? I mean, outside of maybe producing a show like this, uh, what else can we do? I think a huge thing that can be done is men coming together to talk to young men and boys about how to treat women and what that looks like, as well as even being involved with some younger girls and women um, in a speaking forum. And for example, um, Prevail, they have this 100 men uh, act. I don't know if it's a program or if it's just a one-time event, but anyway, they're getting men together mm -hmm. to talk to boys and girls about what mm -hmm. it means to be a man. So modeling, because that's what's lost a lot of times. So from the boys' perspective, from the male perspective, they can learn what it looks like to be healthy as a person first, and then how to be healthy as it relates to interacting with women. Then from the girl's perspective, just hearing and learning what she should expect, especially in a time where there's a lot of fatherless homes, and so girls don't get the opportunity to see how they should be treated. Mm. And if her father hasn't validated her, the next opportunity she has for her femininity to be validated is in a relationship. Mm. And she might end up seeking that validation in unhealthy relationships. Mm. So. Well, anytime uh, you need anybody to come and speak about uh, abuse from a child's point of view, just let me know. Okay. Happy, happy to interact with those kinds of things. We're going to be ne needing to take a break here, a one-song break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Chanel Davis, uh, who is here from the Smith Institute. Grateful for her, uh, the opportunity that she brings to tell us and talk with us about these great uh, issues and concerns that we have. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. Uh, directions that you would like to go, I'm, this is your show. I want you to feel comfortable with this. You can take Facebook Live later. You can take the podcast later. Deal with it as you would like. Uh, but I want to make sure that, that we stay on track with where you want to go. Sure. So. Um, I think I would like to uh, talk to um, friends and family, kind of give them some pointers on how to help. Because it can be really frustrating to see someone in a situation, especially Good. when they don't come out of it, mm -hmm. which it takes some time. Okay. Friends and fa family, absolutely. How are you doing otherwise? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. How about you? You have that big smile in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. You still well. you're still doing the promotion for your uh, for the man that uh, I've forgotten his name that you work for. Um, Steve. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm still, still an executive assistant. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yes. yes. Excellent. I am. And are you? Uh, how's the the Smith Institute as a whole going? It's going well. Good. 
I noticed that your website has been updated since I was on it last, uh -huh. so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, what did you think about it? Oh, it's great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm all about, uh, you know, making sure that, that uh, things are updated and they look good and all that kind of stuff. By the way, you're sitting next to a new author. Check this out. Oh, wow. Check this out. Yeah. Plus, he dressed the part today with that suit, man. I'm telling you what. Okay, awesome. <laughs> a little shout out to the man here. I noticed that you were with Brian the other day. Brian Hudson. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice. This book um, gives attaches a history to the Colin Kaepernick saga. Okay. The centerpiece of the book is Thomas Smith and John Carlos, okay. the protest, mm -hmm. and how important it is for us to not to, to see that there's a history to African American uh, athletic protest, and it's not an event; it's a narrative. Okay. It's a, it's okay. important, you know. It's important for us to uh, in society uh, to because the Kaepernick protest, in my view, has been hijacked into something it never was. Mm. And, and, mm. And, uh, Isn't that always the way? Yeah, yeah. With most movements. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't blame that all on uh, Donald Trump. I blame part of that on Colin, Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Uh, he made some comments. People shouldn't, you know, shouldn't vote. We can't trust Hillary. We can't trust Trump. So we should base whether or not we should vote on our confidence in people. No, you should. You should exercise your right to vote mm -hmm. because you are. You it is a part of a requirement in a democracy. Right. And uh, so when you make comments like that, you open yourself up to being misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. When you and and that's what here's here's where this is important with with the young lady before. When she said gaining knowledge, mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick has gained some knowledge from some people, but he did, but he didn't listen to people. Mm -hmm. The history of, of black mm -hmm. athletes protesting. Mm -hmm. Thomas Smith, John Carlos would have told him, "No, the last thing you need to be telling people who are oppressed is to be quiet and vote." Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Process. Is this your first book? That's my first book, yes. Was it a, was it kind of arduous to get everything done, or were you just gun home and just wrote it all? No, like it was not arduous. Uh, I was my biggest uh, stumbling block to this book. I was doing so many different things, you know, uh, as a pastor and recently the grandfather, uh, oh, my marriage. Uh, uh, very important to me just so I, I could have been done I just uh, because uh, I've, I've written so many other things you know, articles blogs I've lectured about this at the universities and different stuff so I could have gotten it done it's just um, no so it was it wasn't and and you and, and have you have you have you written no not a book you need to do it to do it, you can you can you 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 could start by self-publishing, but a publishing company would pick up what you have to say. You have the Smith Institute uh, backing your statements, and anything I could do to help you, uh, I can turn you on to the people. Certainly, Martha do the same thing. But 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 you need to to get out in a, in a, in a more public okay. form and tell your story so people can know that there's some truth behind it. That you can you can convey to a larger audience. More people need to hear what you have to say. Okay. There you go. You. <laughs> Check that out. You win. 
Fire. And we are back, Warping Wolf Radio, RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we're grateful uh, this week to be invested in our second hour talking with Chanel Davis about the issues of domestic violence. Now, we had this great first segment. We kind of gave a background to the issues, the Smith Institute and so on. But in this segment, uh, let's talk about the issues as it relates to friends and family. And how do friends and family respond to these issues? Kind of take it away, take it in the direction that you think it needs to go and speaking to the concerns that you have that you see around us. Sure. So um, a lot of times friends and family, because they love their loved one, they can respond in a, a variety of ways. One is obviously disbelief. Uh, sometimes they want to go immediately confront the abuser, which the thought behind that is good, but it may not be safe um, mm -hmm. because if you confront the abuser, the victim can become more victimized. That's um, right. The same as like going to counseling. We never recommend uh, marriage counseling when there's abuse because mm -hmm. a lot of times what is used in the counseling environment is then it often not is exposes the, the truth mm -hmm. that it angers the, it, right yeah. right mm -hmm. it angers and a lot of times uh, the abuser is very charming and so the flies right under the radar of mm -hmm. the um, therapist so definitely you know don't confront although that's something that a lot of people want to do initially mm -hmm. the other thing is wanting to rescue okay i'm going to come and i'm going to get you and your kids out of there mm -hmm. well the reality is it takes about seven times before a woman actually leaves for good um, and in that process, she will leave for good and, and stay out of that um, abusive situation when it's her decision. Mm -hmm. And so even telling a person, okay, you need to leave is part of control, the control she's already been experiencing. Mm -hmm. Someone telling her what she needs to do. Um, so that's not the great thing. And most importantly, don't make support, you know, sometimes friends and family want to make their support, uh, whether it be emotional or financial support, be dependent upon what she chooses to do. Mm. That, again, is another control method that she's already been experiencing. Mm. So I would say for the friends and family, like learning about domestic violence and then also for um, the friend and family, taking care of yourself, knowing that you have a loved one experiencing domestic violence can be very exhausting. Um, to hear what they're going through, just to be worried about it. So self-care is really important. Another thing that is really important is learning to be an anchor in the storm. So mm -hmm. when you think about the anchor of a ship, it keeps, you know, there might be some, some moving of the sea and the waves, but with an anchor, there's some stability. Mm -hmm. So part of learning to be an anchor is learning about domestic violence, providing unconditional support, Believing what she says and knowing that the little bit she's telling you is just probably a tip of the iceberg and maybe a tip of the tip of the iceberg and she wants to know that she's safe and that you'll believe her um, and that you'll be there for her and not judge her. A lot of victims um, deal with shame and anger towards themselves because, hey, I've allowed myself to be abused. Or what other people say, you let him treat you like that. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people aren't aware of is the whole concept of trauma bonding. And I think the biggest thing that friends and family can know about is trauma bonds and how in domestic violence situations, the brain has to find a way to be okay being in this unsafe environment. And they do that kind of like Stockholm Syndrome essentially mm -hmm. is what it is, having an attachment to the abuser that 
helps you, yes, stay sane in, in the relationship, but it also makes it difficult to walk away because there are uh, neurochemicals involved in that. So mm -hmm. in a very real sense, the brain actually works against a woman leaving the relationship because a lot of times when she leaves, there is a great depression that comes over her. Some, it's like a withdrawal from a drug in a sense mm -hmm. because the body has been ramped up on these chemicals to stay with the relationship and has gotten used mm -hmm. to the chaos. Mm -hmm. So when she's separating, a lot of times um, I've heard women say they felt like dying. This feels like death. And you're thinking, why would that feel like death? You're leaving someone who was abusing you. Well, her brain got used to that. So, you know, being with a woman in that stage of after she leaves and just being aware, okay, you're probably going to feel really down. You probably need to see your doctor. You may need to take something for depression or anxiety if you're experiencing that. Just encouraging her to take care of herself. Um, encouraging her to seek domestic violence specific support. Sometimes churches are really great resources and they're people well-versed in domestic violence like you, for example, who understand the totality of it and the need for support. Some churches aren't so helpful. Um, they mean well, but they just don't know. Mm -hmm. So having her seek domestic violence-specific support. Mm -hmm. Even in therapy, therapy can be, you know, having a therapist to help work through some things can be very significant. However, if you have a therapist who's not aware about domestic violence and all the things that come into play with that, it can be harmful. Some therapists actually even, I've heard um, a therapist tell her um, client, you should say, I don't think you should leave, I think you're safe. Well, how can the therapist really know? Yeah, exactly. You know, that brings me to a point I wanted to kind of flush out a little bit with you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I believe I, I've had more experience with this uh, as a pastor than I, than I wanted to, obviously. Uh, but uh, uh, one thing you said there, and, and I don't want our artists, I know a lot of my uh, church members are listening, other followers are listening. I don't want our audience to believe uh, that there's every time we're telling you to stay in an abusive relationship. Uh, you, you mentioned about uh, the control, you know, telling a person to get out. Um, you have to tell me about how we tell them is really important because I believe that in anything that we do, as a child, God, I believe that the scripture should influence everything, mm -hmm. literally control everything that I do. Uh, and and the Bible says, knowing the tr the truth shall make you free. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, uh, out of our fear of the abuser, we 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 kind of sometimes tiptoe around. That's why the Holy Spirit needs to lead this in how we approach it. Mm -hmm. We tiptoe around it because we're afraid of what the person might do. Mm -hmm. But uh, while the brain does, the chemicals in the brain do work against a abuser leaving, God is sovereign. Yes. And the tr truth is stronger than our brain or our, our right. existence. And so we have to tell people the truth. It, I, I've had to tell a young lady or two, Listen, I understand that you're connected to this woman, but I need you to understand what truth is happening here. I'm not going to judge you and tell you that you're stupid, you're ignorant, and I can't believe that you are, even if I feel that way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have to tell them, and this, this young man or this young woman, um, that the truth. Absolutely. Another thing that's really important, I think we say yeah. here. Um, 
and I don't want to get too far into it, but I grew up in, in sort of a, a, what one could call an abusive home. It wasn't a father. It wasn't my father. I want to make, and I, and I love my mother. She's, she's gone on to be with the Lord. But, but at the same time, we're, we're having a transparent conversation here. Mm -hmm. This is not designed in any way to degrade the memory of the legacy of my mother. But I'm, I am a pastor who is a uh, social advocate who's who's still alive and have responsibility to people who live. The abuser in my home was not my father. Mm -hmm. The abused in my home was my father. My mother, with her words, was was that. And we have to we have to bear that in mind. There are a lot of men who who suffer from that because when, while men often fight with words and fist, mm -hmm. women more often fight with words, which can yeah. do more damage than a fist. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. The difficulty of these kinds of conversations, and I want everybody to know, those of you listening, those of you watching on Facebook Live, uh, we don't shy away from the tough stuff. That's right. You know, we really come at it uh, because it's it's real. It's the life that we are engaged with and people that uh, desperately need the help that we might be able to give them. Uh, let's come back to the family and friends issue and, and give a sense of uh, what might be some hope for them. Who would you or what organizations would you or what places would you encourage friends and family to send those who are abused? Sure. Uh, definitely the Smith Institute. We provide some um, support in the sense of a support group and mentoring and coaching. Also, Focus Ministries is an excellent source. Now, they're in Villa Park, Illinois, but they provide free counseling mm. um, to women all over the world. Mm. Um, locally, definitely Prevail, the Julian Center, and to um, Pastor... You can call me quiet. No problem with that. No problem with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, none of those titles. I'm just you know, call me quiet. Uh, so, and to his That's point, um, <laughs> that women do need to, to get out and seek safety. And so, um, part of that is learning how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Because when a woman leaves, the, and, you know, the likelihood of homicide increases drastically. Mm -hmm. That's when. They become more dangerous. Having the most dangerous time, believe it or not, and you know this, you bear, you bear this out. The most dangerous time, and I want our listeners to hear this. I have a I have a person here to substantiate what I'm saying. The most dangerous time is actually not when the abuse is going on. It's when you take that step exactly. to leave. Mm -hmm. Most trauma, most homicide, most more violent things mm -hmm. happen at that step. But it's the step that you've got to trust God to help you, you make. You, get, you absolutely yeah. have to. And and it's, you know, for the friends and family and just pray, obviously praying. Praying is a huge thing because the woman needs the strength from God absolutely. and from friends and family to leave. And she's got to be willing to stand up against the violence and taking the action step of mm -hmm. saying, no, I will not tolerate this anymore. That's when she becomes more in danger. It could be physically, it could be emotionally, mentally, whatever. So encouraging her that she can, she has the ability to take mm -hmm. that step is mm -hmm. critical. And a lot of women will be concerned about, oh, can I take care of myself and my kids? God will supply all of your needs. God wants you to be safe. And that's one thing I always tell women when they start using scripture. Sometimes they can use it in a way to stay in a relationship. Oh, God wants me to stay in this marriage. Death do us part. And then God wants you to be safe. 
and to be mm. a good steward of yourself. Mm. You, you are a treasure. Mm. You are a treasure. Um, and I remember my situation, what changed for me is I would look in the mirror and I started telling myself, you're God's princess. You are God's That's right. princess. Show me your bracelet. And then, <laughs> oh, queen. <laughs> I would say, you're God's princess. I wasn't feeling like it because I, I was being abused. But one day, I just looked in the mirror and said, you are royalty. And this is not the way royalty is treated. That was the game changer. Because my I had been building my self-esteem up as a like said. God is my father, and he is the king. And the king would yeah, not allow his daughter to be treated this right. way. So, no, things are going to change. Um, so I think that's important. And just affirming her and, you know, telling her she's courageous. So the fact that a friend or family member would speak up, she's showing huge courage because there's such a great risk of letting somebody know what's going on. So mm -hmm. affirming, you're courageous, you can do this, you know, and I, I try to be very affirming. Um, as much as possible. So I think those are some things that can help. Hmm. Definitely encourage her to reach out for domestic violence specific support. Create a safety plan. You can find safety plans online anywhere, but just hmm. getting her to walk through um, before the violence happens, do, you know, after it happens, and what to do when she leaves. Because as you go over a safety plan, it makes um, when you need to take those steps easier because it's kind of like doing a fire drill. So mm. you know what to do at school because you've practiced the fire drill. You know what to do when you hear um, the fire alarm go off. Safety planning can be very similar. You know what to do and just know it, it might be a little process. Sometimes, you know, women are able to just go leave immediately and sometimes it takes a little bit more effort. I'm always encouraging her need to be out of this mm. and then something that um some things that people don't think about the fact that if you stay in domestic violence you're literally endangering your children mm. to and being with you yeah. because if cps and, every, and everyone connected with you yes. exactly. about children. because domestic violence is not okay and the state will come in and take your children from you so it's not just about, you know, the the mm. mother or the wife being safe or the father, mm. but it's also about the children. The children have to be safe and protected, too. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is uh, this is tough stuff, always. Uh, you know, you have a pastoral emphasis here with Dr. Clyde Posley. Uh, you have Chanel Davis dealing with this, not only from, from personal experience, but her own community development and uh, involvement within community itself. I was on the, the radio... Uh, talking about this being the child of an abu in an abused household and I was saying to people online one of those words you know you it's real live radio and you think to yourself should I have used that word and then I just found myself doubling down on the word and the and the statement that I made was when people in churches uh, say to you or ask you the question why didn't you leave mm. and I said on radio, that's the most stupid question anybody can ask. Because where are you going to go? I mean, first of all, have you provided these folks with any kind of safety net? And then, for the church, have you provided them any economic stability? Mm -hmm. Because if a woman is leaving who is not herself employed, oh my word, how much more does that uh, cause pressure on that particular individual? So let's talk about the real issues that uh, women and some men face where they when they actually want to leave uh, an abusive relationship. Let's talk about the specific economic, financial, 
uh, kinds of repercussions that take place in these regards. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and why that is such an important uh, parameter for the church, but then for family and friends to be involved with as well. Yes, definitely. As a matter of fact, last, um, last night I was talking with a friend, with a friend's friend. I have a friend, she lives um, probably down the street from you, she lives there in Carmel too. Um, and her next door neighbor was experiencing domestic violence and she called me, she said, you know, um, I, I'm a stay at home mom and he's taken everything. I mean, he's just took the kids, they went up north. She loves to drink coffee every morning, took all the coffee cups the coffee maker oh, I mean word. just really trying to make her life unbearable and she's concerned about you know how, how can I take care of myself I'm a stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom but even being a stay-at-home mom there are resources available so one of the protective factors in preventing domestic violence is education and that's just because with more education you can you know you have greater opportunity to earn more income um, but even if you don't have that there are opportunities out there to receive support. For example, DVN, they provide emergency assistance. Tell us what that um, is. Domestic Violence Network. Um, they do a great domestic violence work here locally. Then there's Sheltering Wings, which is a faith-based women's shelter for mm. women and children that's in Danville. So that exists. And of course, the Julian Center, which a lot of people in Indianapolis may know about. Mm. Don't let, I would say, don't let economic um, scarcity keep you in a, a right. not good situation. Right. Your health is your wealth and you're not going to be healthy living in domestic violence. Mm -hmm. You're actually going to, your health is going to, to slowly fail. So I would say that's why it's so important to reach out to a domestic violence organization where there, mm -hmm. where there are advocates because there's, you know, millions of dollars in grant money that is given to domestic violence organizations to help women come out of that, literally millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so don't let that be an issue. And then other things, there's other supports, people may not be too keen on them, but I mean, there's, I think it's called TANF, you know, so support that the government can provide. There's health insurance the government can provide for those transitions. Um, so it is possible mm -hmm. now you might if you're in a dire situation it might be having the willingness to go into a shelter i know some women don't want to do that mm. but if it gets bad enough you'll do what you need to do or if you want to prevent it from getting bad enough because we know that domestic violence just continues to to grow it's not like it becomes less over time it becomes more frequent um over time and oftentimes will progress in the nature of violence so the would you say that there's a necessity for persons and churches uh, to not just provide the kinds of backdrop that might be necessary for people to say, I'm in, a, I'm in a safe church, I'm in a safe relationship with friends and family, but an economic uh, connection for those folks? Absolutely. Well. Definitely having economic connections is critical. And um, one of the, the trends is going in towards having housing. So like an apartment, that's one thing we hope to do um, mm -hmm. in the future is have an apartment building where women oh, and their great. children can come um, and have a sliding scale rent, but they're also getting services provided mm -hmm. to them, such as you know financial coaching. Mm -hmm. John Bonner mm -hmm. Center has financial coaching. So that's, and, and things like that are 
those are things a woman can do if she's not in immediate physical danger and she's kind of working on the plan. Getting a financial coach that um, is dependent upon your income is an excellent step. Mm -hmm. Just learning about what does it take. Creating a budget, just getting an idea of if or when I leave, what will it take for me to be able to take care of my kids from a financial mm -hmm. perspective. Um, and then reaching out to network if she's worked before reaching out to um, her previous colleagues or talking to friends and just letting them know. Sometimes volunteering is something women might do if they've uh, been stay-at-home moms for a while and they're not totally confident because of the abuse and they've been out of the workforce. A volunteer position could help. And also that can build confidence and esteem as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would say definitely don't be afraid. Reach out to your church, see if your church has support. Um, reach out to um, other large organizations that definitely have the resources or can connect you. 211 locally is a great resource as well. Just calling that phone number and saying, I need some domestic violence support, mm. and they can help as well. Wow. That's fantastic information for everybody listening to us as well as for those who are watching Facebook Live. Now, let me uh, just kind of move into this issue of having this apartment place, you know, for women and families, for the kids. Uh, it'd be really cool. I'm just, I'm riffing on this because I'm thinking about how cool these things would be. If you would have a boutique in your apartment building, if you would have a place for women to have their nails done and their hair done, have a coffee shop, you know, all kinds of cool things like this, have a place for the, the kids to play like, you know, they do at McDonald's, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, that would really kind of build some community, but it would also, coming back to your comment about, you know, I'm a princess, I'm royalty, uh, mm -hmm. I am a queen because God is the king. Yeah, all of that matters. So we've got, uh, we've got about six or seven minutes left. Uh, what direction do you think uh, we should go here in this last part of our show if you were going to leave people with, you know, a general direction that you would want them to hear at the end? Uh, what would you like to tell them? I think I would like to talk to um, the faith community Okay. and um, just encourage the faith community. It's so important to really take a look at domestic violence and to have domestic violence specific training. Um, the best thing a church can do is to have kind of a response team. Just like, you know, if, if a hurricane hits somewhere, Red Cross has a response team and they have a planned approach to how to deal with that. It's very helpful to have something similar like that in churches. Um, but even if it's just a person, a point person, um, so if a, if a congregant comes and says, I'm being abused, you know you send them to person A, and person A can connect them with, a, mm. with another organization. So there's actually a network within exactly. the church. Exactly. Okay. A network within the church is mm. very valuable. And then just um, being up front and talking about the issue, mm. and then also have a plan of action. What do you do if a minister or elder is accused of domestic violence? How do you handle that? Is there accountability? That's the other thing that can make churches more safe, to know that there's accountability. So if something like that comes up, how is it going to be handled? Um, and does the family feel safe? Um, and the, the issue of the accusations, you know, Deuteronomy 24, 1 Timothy 5, say that there has to be two or three witnesses to this. Uh, just... Uh, acknowledging that that's fine but what's your thought on that the issue of accusing somebody and then you know having some kind of background or backdrop to the witness issue to this I agree I agree that that witnessing witnesses are good 
and it kind of depends because with abuse and abusers this is kind of a thought out thing that they do they often have been gaining allies all along the way of you know how to, to discredit their, to covering their yeah, steps to cover their steps and right. completely discredit that the person um, who is being victimized mm -hmm. it's kind of like something they've been doing all along mm -hmm. so I think the witness thing is important but even if there's not a witness at least to bring the people together and say hey this is what's been said tell me what's going on yeah. and then providing not necessarily um, taking removing a person from their position or whatever it depends on what the church's plan is for that but definitely providing accountability and some restoration and helping the person get help. There's batterers groups around. Mm. Um, Chris Moles wrote a great book, um, talks about the heart of domestic violence and healing that. Mm. Um, he's a pastor who ha runs batterers groups. Mm. So I think providing. Spell his last them. name for us. Moles, M O L E S. M O L E S. Chris Moles. Uh, just uh, text or, or uh, Bing or Google battering groups. Uh, that would be really helpful. Uh, this has been a fantastic opportunity to talk with you today. Thanks so much for your involvement, not only in the community, but, you know, obviously in our radio show here today. We're grateful for uh, what you've done to expose this and then to stand up and say, you know, I've been involved in this myself, and uh, this needs to stop for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Posley, again for uh, your good words today. Always grateful for those. Fantastic. Yeah. Show. So we are we are going to uh, cut our broadcast here today for uh, uh, Warp and Woof Radio. Uh, next week actually is Halloween, and uh, we're actually going to be broadcasting on Halloween, trying to set up a different kind of venue for that. But we're going to have a discussion about the issues uh, as it relates to that particular day, and uh, perhaps have some special guests in that, that can speak to those particular issues. You've been listening to the Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we're looking forward to next week when we have an opportunity to come back again, Lord willing, and all of the good things that uh, are going on in Indianapolis through the great Christian work that are that's happening here in and around the community. Uh, we'll look forward to next week, and we'll see you then.